I think the first thing I tell them is think really hard about whether to do this or not. Because I think there is a media glorification of founders and celebration of successes as as we should, right? But obviously for every Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, and whoever you want to pick, there's thousands, if not tens of thousands of companies that failed. This isn't about the money, hopefully, right? Even though that's a nice outcome and the only true measure and an objective measure of success. But if you're like hoping to get rich quick, starting a, a company is probably not for you because things are up and down. It's a roller coaster. My name is Max Redman, and I'm the CEO at Proudly. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Spent six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the back end. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what to do next. many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud of our team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried it again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. Not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Lapart, and today, how Max Rudman is giving you the fast track option for you to maximize data release for your Salesforce projects. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there too. Terso makes this easy utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the data edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com slash codestory. Max Rudman grew up in Soviet Moscow, then moved from Russia when he was 16 years old. He spent his early years programming and exploring engineering, and it just continued on as he got older. He got the entrepreneurial bug in the early 2000s when he was hired at a dot-com marketplace startup. Outside of tech, he's married with three kids. He loves to travel and considers himself a foodie, stating that his favorite restaurants were in the wine country and in Spain. Within his last startup, Max discovered that deploying configuration rules on Salesforce was clunky and took a long time to do so, even for a seasoned engineer. Eventually, he decided to build a tool to focus on this process alone. This is the creation story of Prodly. The idea for Prodly was actually born at my first startup called Steelbrick. What Steelbrake did was build a native configure price quote CPQ solution on Salesforce platform. For your listeners who don't know what CPQ or configure price quote is, it's a category of software that enables sellers at enterprise companies to more efficiently sell their products. And so when you go to a bakery and you go buy a piece of bread, right, that's whatever, 50, done deal. 
When you're Dell and selling servers, it's obviously a lot more complex. A server has different components. Some of them may go together. Some of them may require another component. Some of them may be mutually exclusive. So that's what's called configuration. That's the scene CPQ. Then you can imagine the price obviously varies very much depending on the region, depending on whether you're selling direct to the user or through a partner, right? Depending on the volume of purchases that they're ordering, that's the P. And then you've got to generate a document, the quote, and ultimately an order form that presents all these products and the prices in an attractive format that facilitates a sale. That's the quote, that's the cue. That was a successful business. We had a, they actually got acquired by Salesforce in 2016. As part of writing a building steel brick, we've discovered this problem, this gap in the Salesforce platform where deploying the config behind CPQ was really a painful and tedious process. So literally used to take our best, most experienced solution architect the entire weekend to deploy all the configuration, all of the rules. And the reason why this is so is because, and this is where I have this running joke that with my second company, I'm solving the problem I created with my first. And the reason for this is because CPQ is very much configured with data, with records, as opposed to what Salesforce calls metadata. And it's a bit of a nuance, a peculiarity of the Salesforce platform of the ecosystem that we play in. But basically when you, when I say metadata, think like code, think scripts, right? think data model, table, definition, fields. And data is the record. So it will be the product SKUs and the prices that are attached to them and all these different rules that I talked about that, that determine whether you can sell this product with another product or whether this product requires another product. So all that is stored as record. And it's not that the volume is like super great, but it's very complex, right? It's a complex object graph. Just the CPQ, just the configuration portion of the CPQ data model is three, diff- three dozen different objects, right? And between them, there's hundreds and hundreds of relationships. And so when you move that whole object graph from one environment to another in Salesforce, there really is no easy way to do it. You have to manually export one by one, and then all the IDs change, so all the relationships get broken, then you got to go to Excel and do VLOOKUPs. It's a mess. And, and that's why it took the entire weekend to do the deployment. So we built a product to automate that, the release management of the config that underpins these low-code applications on Salesforce, such as my old product, the CPQ. Let's dive into the MVP for Prodly then. So tell me about that first version of the product you built. How long did it take to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? Seems to be a pattern with my companies. It's not a straight line path on the product company product and take it to market. It's on the shelf for a while and that that happened with Steelbrick and, and this is happening with Prodly. But as I said, the pain, the problem we first identified at Steelbrick. And so I asked my my brother Dan, who's also an engineer, so I'm like Dan, we have this problem. Everybody has this problem. One thing I probably should have mentioned is it was pretty clear that it's not a CPU problem, right? That's the underlying Salesforce platform problem. He's like, all right. And so he didn't build an app and we actually briefly OEM'd it at Steelbrick. And then we got acquired by Salesforce and Salesforce doesn't resell the products for the most part. And of course, I got busy with the integration, post-acquisition and all that. So it sat on the shelves for a few years. Of course, he kept improving it because we did sell it to a few Steelbrick customers. And so that was the MVP. It was a very narrow 
use case of CPQ, but when at a few sort of data, if you will, customers. And then of course, but the product was always architected and built to be generic. Right? We didn't hard code it to the CPQ use case. It was always built to support anything, any config database, as long as it's in Salesforce. So you've got the MVP, but I'm curious about in that MVP, you've got to make certain decisions and trade-offs, right? Around how you approach it. And you know, some of the some of the Salesforce acquisition may have, you know, contributed to the timing or your thought patterns there or things like that. Tell me about some of those decisions and trade-offs you had to work through in that MVP and how you cope with those decisions. One of the big decisions we had to make, do we focus on everything Salesforce? And do we, and how do we go to market? Do we make it self-service and kind of like this, almost like a freemium model, right? Where you download the app and you try it and then hopefully we'll upsell you. And is it a broad tool for Salesforce or is it, or do we go to market targeting CPU more specifically? And so that was one of the trade-offs we had to make because it's, this problem space is actually quite complex. Moving this complex object graph of data is actually more complex than it sounds because there's obviously order of operations, there's dependencies, all of that. But also, because you're moving records of data between Salesforce environments, you the chances are high that you're going to trip up various like business logic in Salesforce platform. So, for example, they have these things called validation rules, which is exactly what it sounds like. is an admin that can create a validation rule that says this field has to have one of these values when some other field has some other value, right? Now, the problem is when you add these, they're not retroactive. So the records that are already in that object, in that table, they may not meet those criteria. And as long as you don't try to update them, there's no problem. Of course, when you're moving data around, you are updating it, right? You are moving it. And so that trips off validation rates, right? And so obviously the broader the scope, uh, the broader the use cases, the more different flavors of this problem that you encounter. And so we decided to, even though the product was architected and built to be generic, they really focused on this very specific use case of CPQ configuration data migrations, because that's what we know very well. And we know the use cases, we understand the different issues that one might face in deploying CPU config data. This episode is encrypted by Cypherstash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done, i.e. encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? Encryption in use with Cypherstash. Cypherstash uses searchable encryption in use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With Cypherstash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero-trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, Cypherstash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cypherstash.com slash codestory and get started protecting your data. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. 
The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Triple, super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash codestory. That's T-R-B-L-L-E dot com slash codestory. Okay, so then take me forward. You've got, you know, the product, you've, you've built it, you're ready to take it to market how did you progress the product from there and mature it? And I think what I'm curious about there is how you go about building your roadmap and, and you know, what sort of criteria or process do you follow to decide, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with Prodly. Even though we started solving this very important but fairly niche problem, the vision was always bigger and actually the vision the mission is still the same which is how do we make enterprise and business software more generally faster and easier to deploy and maintain the transition to the cloud has obviously been a major breakthrough a major step forward compared to on-prem software but it still takes too long it's still too expensive it's still too hard and this is where we interface or interact with this other premise of ours that which is the low code software, the low code movement is here to stay. It's very important and a key driver in driving business agility. So that's always been our vision. And from solving that particular problem, which of course we still solve and are the market leader in this, we've evolved our vision and the roadmap to go with it to cover what we're calling application lifecycle management. So the idea is to move beyond release management of configuration data to move beyond even release management and automated testing in general. This is what he would call DevOps and really cover the entire life cycle from planning, rebuilding, testing, releasing, and then measuring the changes once you deploy. With the goal being, again, to really streamline that whole change life cycle and accelerate it and cut the time down to drive more changes faster at higher quality. So how did you go about building your team? And what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? I was lucky enough to work with some great people at Steelbreak. Honestly, the part that's been the hardest and that's taken sort of many trials and errors. Took a really long time. I would say only in the past kind of year and a half did we build a good and productive engineering team that could deliver product at good velocity and at great quality. So that's been really exciting to see. What I look for first and foremost is the energy. It's the go-getter mentality. Getting stuff done is one of our one of our values. And that's what I think that's the first and foremost what you want in a startup team. Like obviously experience matters and matters more with maybe executive hires. But at the end of the day, if you got the will, you'll find a way. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. 
If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vercel edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. Terso makes it easy. With the developer experience of SQLite and a distributed database, you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. Terso's lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Terso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for CodeStory listeners. Head over to terso.tech slash CodeStory and get started today. That's T-U-R-S-O dot tech slash CodeStory. Terso. Welcome to the Data Edge. This episode was automatically optimized by Cast. If you run cloud-native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with Cast AI. Cast AI automates cloud costs, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, Cast AI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. Let's flip to scalability. I know the platform you're building on, you know, pri- primarily is, is wrapped around Salesforce. And but I'm curious about if you know this was built with scale in mind from the very beginning, or has there been any areas where you had to kind of fight it as you grow? We've always built with a scale um, in mind, and again, scale could mean different things. For us, scale is not necessarily the number of records or gigabytes per se, although in aggregate, as you're talking across multiple customers, that could obviously grow massively large. It's really the complexity and its performance, which is also part of having a scalable and performant platform. So I would say part of it, we're not built on Salesforce, we're built for Salesforce. So the actual engine, so our UI is built in, in the Salesforce app. And even then, it's really more just made style like Salesforce. It's built with JavaScript and React, I think, and Node.js. And then the back end, the, the actual engine that does the work is built on Java and runs at AWS. I think evolved our architecture quite a bit. And this is really, it's been the exciting product of building that high-performing engineering team finally is what really sort of in the middle right now as we speak of migrating to a a really robust microservices-based architecture. We've moved away from EC2 being stock in Amazon to container-based architecture based in Kubernetes. And so all these things are obviously directly going into scalability, resiliency, and and performance. So as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? The team that we built and continuing to build and the value that we provide to our 50 customers. I want to think about all the pain and all the weekend hours and all the frustration that we've saved to our customers over the years. It's, that's what I'm most proud of. Okay, let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. I think about our journey, what 
has taken more time than I hope and that's been more perilous than I would have hoped is the team building, right? We had a lot of, as I said, it took several iterations of build for the current our engineering team that we have that's producing great work. It's taken some false starts to build the sales team in the been several instances where like you think you're there but you're not there and then you're gonna have to go back to square one and so we have to do that full times there i'm my third sales leader we just recently have to do this with the marketing team and then of course the other part of it is the business develops sometimes you do a mishire and you're like why in the world did i hire that person what was i thinking but other times the business simply moves on right and the person it was still a good hire back then but it's all a good hire now so that also happens. And then the product, I'd say, probably our biggest mistake is we equivocated too long on whether we want to support metadata as well. And at the end of the day, customers don't want to have two separate tools to do database config versus other config and code. They want to have one tool. And so um, we're just doing it now and probably should have done this three years, four years ago. Okay, Max, this will be fun. Tell me what the future looks like for the product and for your team. The future for the product, as I said, it's really executing on that ALM vision and really building a robust suite of products that addresses the entire life cycle through planning, building, testing, releasing, and monitoring. And we've had some exciting product announcements in that space. We just beta the new product in August that compliance center that helps with the help of public companies who use Salesforce and CPQ and are in scope for SOX. Audits helps them first track the changes that they're making to their Salesforce-based config and then makes it a breeze to pass SOX audits as well as other audits. If they're really executing in that vision, delivering more product across those five ALM stages and really achieving our mission of making business software faster and easier to deploy and maintain. That's what's next for us as a team and that's what's next for us as a planner. Okay, Max, let's switch to you. Who influences the way that you work? You know, Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. I'm a product guy. So I think Steve Jobs, no, I'm not a fan of him as a person necessarily. Not the easiest guy to work with, but I appreciate his take on building great products, particularly the fact that he has a vision and you execute on it and you bring customers along. You tell customers what they should want. Obviously, you need to understand the problems as opposed to just like, hey, let's do pocket group and you tell us what features you want to build. We're going to write it down and build it. Like the product management, I think to me, the value of a great product manager is to assimilate, absorb all that feedback, understand all the problems, but then design a solution that solves this customer's problem, this customer's problem, and I don't know the customer's problem, right? Brings them into the future. And I, I think Steve Jobs was exceptional with that. So I was woke up to that. And then I think maybe too, in a similar vein, folks like Elon Musk are super impressive when tackling the world's hardest problems and applying the power of engineering to solving problems. Again, sure he's an outstanding personality or somebody to look up to as a human, I don't know why I haven't had a personal interaction with him, but certainly I'm in awe of what he's done in solving some of these really hard problems like space exploration, the future of green transportation, and half a dozen of others. Exactly. So 
Okay, we talked about a mistake earlier, but this is a little different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? Doesn't doesn't have to be something that, you know, didn't work or went poorly. Could have went well, but maybe you'd tweak it just a little bit. I'll give an answer, and it is things that could have been better. Um, so again, this kind of goes back to nonlinear history of broadly, <laughs> seems like all of my companies, as I said, my so the idea originally came you know to us we started like probably 2014 is i think when we when my brother incorporated broadly and built the product initially and then we got acquired by self in 2016 and i spent the next three years post acquisition seeing the integration through and so probably got put on the shelf and then i'd say 17 or 18 towards the end of my tenure at salesforce started to think about what's next and so, obviously, I wanted to come back to, to Broadly, but I was still at Salesforce, and obviously, I can do both things. And so, I brought in that I used to work with to help run the company and get it off the ground. I funded it in the process. I was pretty hands-off in terms of operating it. And it sounded good at the time, but it actually turned out to be a terrible mistake because... That is one of the most important things you can do as a founder in those early days is to sell the product, figure out how to talk about it, talk to early customers, get their feedback. And even though we had a product market fit pretty early, because obviously this is a problem that I personally experienced in my prior companies, but in terms of setting it up, setting us up for the future, the fact this mistake that I talked about, about tackling the other part of Salesforce config, I think we wouldn't have problems that we have now. Probably would have been much further along if I didn't outsource that early go-to-market product market fit tuning to somebody else. Max, last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world and can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person, having gone down this road a bit several times? I think the first thing I tell them is think really hard about going to do this or not. Because I think there is a media glorification of founders and celebration of successes as as we should, right? But obviously for every Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, and whoever you want to pick, there is thousands, if not tens of thousands of companies that failed. This isn't about the money, hopefully, right? Even though that's a nice outcome and the only true measure and an objective measure of success. But if you're like hoping to get rich quick, starting a, a company is probably not for you. So that's one. And two, persistence, I think, and perseverance, just staying on it because things are up and down. It's a roller coaster and the highest of highs and the lows of lows. And it's just hopefully like you're emotionally stable and, and ready for this long hard slog right then it is multi-year you know probably 10-year journey for SAS. that's fantastic advice well max i really appreciate you being on the show today i really appreciate you telling the creation story of prodly thank you no and this concludes another chapter of coat story Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.
saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money. 